Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network. Hello, welcome back to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. With me, as always, is my colleague, Ellie Mistal. Woo! Yeah, so, hey. How you be? Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, yeah, I've been good. I've been good. How about you? I feel like, I'm, I'm like rocky right now. I'm so ready for these goddamn people. Yeah. I'm, I am writing, and if you will allow me to put my head just a little far up my own ass, I am writing basically like a fireball emoji with fingers. Like that's where I am right now. I am so just, just part of. At least I'm trying to be part of a group of people who is trying to point out how evil this person is. And obviously, because of above the law, because of what we do, you know, my main fight is with Attorney General Jeff Sessions. And boy, <laughs> boy, did this boy just drop in everybody's laps today. Yeah, I mean, it It seems as though it was, well, how should I put this, a, a poor choice of answering questions, something of a, a legal snafu <laughs> on his part. Yeah, I want to get right into the grinding of my gears because I'm, I'm so excited to talk about Jeff Sessions. We are recording this right after the Washington Post story dropped about Jeff Sessions, I guess you would have to say, perjuring himself in front of Congress during his confirmation At least you would hearings. allegedly say that, yeah. <laughs> in his uh, confirmation hearing testimony over his contacts from, from Russia. And what really gets me from a lawyer perspective, and I know a lot of our listeners are going to back me up on this. If you actually look at what happened in the sessions, it's such a rookie, stupid lawyer mistake. Jeff Sessions is in trouble because he didn't answer the question, right? Al Franken asked him, blah, blah, blah. There all this stuff about contacts with Russia. If true, Senator Sessions, what will you do, basically, what will you do to prosecute or to investigate these ties, right? What will you do was the actual question. Sessions' answer is, I don't know nothing about no Russians. I never talked to him. Nobody asked him that. Yeah. Nobody asked him that. And yeah. every lawyer who's been trained for trial prep, even for a second, has been told and counseled and coached not to go beyond the scope of the question. Jeff Sessions, man, he should be removed from being an attorney general, not just because he's racist, not just because he perjured himself, but because he's bad at being an attorney. Yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of a I, – I think the word rookie mistake is a very good one. It's, it's weird that a lawyer would go out of the way because your answer to your question was, what would you do if this happened, saying, I never personally – met with anybody. It was not the question. It merely inserts this. And that's from a perjury perspective, which uh, if one assumes that's where this starts headed, it's worrisome for him because the difficult thing about proving perjury always is you have to prove the intent. It's not just that you lied or intentionally misled or misled. It's that you did it with intent. And it's hard to get there. But I'll tell you, volunteering information that didn't need to be said really gets you a lot of the way toward, well, then why did you volunteer that? Why and that gets, that gets a lot towards that intent requirement, which is always the hardest part. The Klansman doth protest too much, methinks. No, he's not a Klansman. He thought they smoked too much pot. He 
He actually said that. He that was why he said he didn't like them. An astounding fact. He actually that was his his statement on the subject. Um, but yeah, no, uh, it is a rookie mistake, and it's one of those things that makes you wonder. Like sometimes, as lawyers. It's a do as we say, not as we do kind of approach. I think all of us know that we would have prepped him not to do that. But, you know, who among us wouldn't make that mistake if we were in that situation? You know, you know, you, you lose track of it. I wouldn't. I mean, yeah. When the cops ask me a question, I only answer the question. <laughs> F- fair enough. I guess I hear that. I'm just a little knowing you. I'm just a little bit suspect that you would not volunteer more information just because I mean, you'd get on a rush where you felt like you were hearing your own voice and just keep going. I mean, again, that's not how I act. How I act on TV and radio is not how I act in front of law enforcement. True. Uh, Although then law enforcement's one thing, but a deposition, especially one that's gone on for a long time, you develop a level of comfortability, especially when they're people who are your colleagues for years. You know, like you would tell as a lawyer, you would say, don't do this. But at what point does that get lost? And maybe that's the lesson if I were to pull back here to a practice point, that might be the lesson for aspiring litigators and litigators out there is that, you know, you can tell your client a million times, don't do this, but when they do it, it's not their fault. Like it's, it's a natural human reaction that even experienced lawyers might make. It really, I mean, I, I, I don't want to move on from this, but if you like old movies, one of my favorite is The uh, Great Escape. Yeah, And the guy in The Great Escape who's kind of in charge of teaching all of the detainees how to speak German and teaches them the entire movie, don't screw up, always speak German, always speak German when a German asks you a question. Um, He gets caught in the end because he doesn't speak German when the Gestapo tries to trick him. It's heartbreaking scene in that movie. Jeff Sessions is part of the Gestapo. Why are you making me defend him? No, and (laughs) yeah, no, like... What are you doing? Well, I mean, I, I... I just, I'm just a little irritated that, you know, you didn't flag that with a spoiler alert. I mean, (laughs) for people out there who haven't seen this movie, it's only been out for like 60 years. Too soon. Yeah, too soon. All right. So the Oscars happened. They did. I saw it live. Yeah, I did too. It was interesting. Yeah. One of the things I said is that I will believe anything anybody tells me about what really happened. I am a total conspiracy theorist on this. I think that what happened was that they wanted to give the white movie the Oscar so that the Trump voters would be happy with Hollywood. And then they figured they would all turn the Oscars off as soon as they heard the announcement. They wouldn't say for the speeches. And then they gave the black movie the actual award to not piss off the liberals. I think the Oscars were purposefully trying to play both sides of the coin. And that's why this happened. I don't think it was an innocent mistake. Well, no, I mean, that's when I think how to appeal to middle America people who feel a lot of alienation, I say a lavish musical about the greatness of Los Angeles is is definitely what I would want to do. But no, they instead, they, they instead gave, uh, the award went to Moonlight. Three white producers, I think. But nonetheless, it, it went there. And so what we wanted to do is talk about kind of the, not just, like kind of muse about some of the legal implications of this, like in a very thinking like a lawyer, this isn't, no one's really going to sue anybody over it, but it wouldn't be funny if they did. But also we wanted to talk specifically about who screwed up. And I think everyone's coalescing around, it was PWC. So we thought we'd bring in our kind of accountant colleague on this, uh, someone who covers, covers that universe the same way we cover the legal universe. Caleb is the editor-in-chief of Going Concern. Hey guys, great to be here. I love talking about accountants and I love movies. So this is <laughs> this is a thrill. This must be Christmas for you. It's, it's it, well, let me tell you, on Monday morning, 
it was like Christmas morning. I mean, <laughs> I just, I can't tell you. I was in bed on Sunday night and, you know, Ellie's description is pretty on point. Um, when they announced <laughs> La La Land, my wife like kind of rolled over and said, nah, wasn't that good. And <laughs> was ready to go to sleep. And then suddenly the stage is bum rushed by everyone. And all of a sudden, Moonlight is the winner. And immediately, I started thinking, did PwC just fuck that up? They, they yeah. just did, right? <laughs> and I, and, I, and I, I sat there, and I, even after I turned off the TV, I sat there and I thought about it. It's like, what is going on? And so I immediately picked up my phone and scrolling through Twitter. And sure enough, Joe, I think it was you that made the crack. It was about, me. Yeah, Joe made a crack about Arthur Anderson. And I said, this <laughs> is going to be bad. It's going to be bad. And, and sure enough, it's awful for PwC. It's pretty much the worst thing you could possibly imagine for them. So, Caleb, tell us a little bit about like what what's happening with PricewaterhouseCoopers. How are they metastasizing this information? What heads have rolled? Like, what's going on? So maybe we should start with, you want to start with the process? You want to start with the boring stuff? Or you want to start with the head rolling? Yeah, so Caleb, start with the boring stuff. Tell us what was PwC supposed to do and what did they get wrong? Okay, sure. So PwC tabulates the, uh, I guess, the Academy votes. The members of Academy vote on all these awards. And PwC's job is to figure out who the winners are. They have this kind of elaborate process um, so that only two people know who the actual winners are. I don't know exactly the size of the team that they use, but it's small groups and they all count certain amounts of votes. And then it kind of feeds up to the two partners and they are the ones who ultimately know who the winners are. And they're the only two, nobody at the Academy knows, nobody else at PwC knows, and they have to memorize all the winners. And again, they, they have two sets of envelopes and they take two separate cars to get to the Dolby theaters in case somebody gets stuck in traffic. So they've got all these checks and balances around the process. So Some that Kiefer nothing... Sutherland designated survivor shit. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, they really go to, they've over the years, they've gone to really great lengths to make sure that nothing can go wrong. And so during the awards, the one partner is on one side of the stage and the other partner is on the other side, and they each have a set of envelopes. And I'm not exactly sure about how they choose which um, partner is handing over the envelope for which award. I haven't read anything about those details. But essentially what happened is that when Emma Stone received her envelope, she kept it. And that's what she's that's what she's been. That's what she told everyone. That's what she said when she was being interviewed backstage. And for whatever reason, the backup envelope for best actress in a leading role was handed to Warren Beatty by the other PwC partner. And that was incorrect. That was wrong. And, you know, there's some speculation that because he was tweeting backstage that he was distracted and that he, um, you know, that's what caused him to hand over the wrong envelope. And so not realizing oh, so, at the time. So PwC was tweeting backstage. Yes. And handing out envelopes. Okay. Yes. And what's nice. interesting, what's interesting about that, and I again I I've I've seen conflicting reports, but he wasn't necessarily supposed to be tweeting backstage. Like he had asked the Academy for permission to do so, and they said no. But then I read a report yesterday that said the opposite, that they encouraged him 
So there's a little bit of contradiction there, but he was, it's, <laughs> there is no question that he was tweeting backstage. He took a picture of Emma Stone right as she came off stage. And, but then he deleted after the screw up happened, after the big snafu happened, all of his tweet, he deleted all of his tweets. So, <laughs> but of course, you know, the internet is forever and the pictures got dug up and some more pictures from backstage. Variety published a bunch of pictures from backstage showing him with two envelopes in his hand. I mean, the meticulous investigation of this event, I cannot tell you, has been pretty remarkable. I feel as though, and a lot of people have <laughs> joked about this, but if we had all put our efforts into investigating the Trump cabinet's connections to Russia, I think we'd already be in impeachment proceedings by now. <laughs> and But but really, but we, we've been focusing on the Oscars, which is fine. It's fine. And the accountants. And I mean, it's been, it's been quite a thing to watch. So he hands the wrong envelope. We yep. all saw Warren Beatty and Farrah Fawcett being kind no, of... Not Farrah Fawcett. Um, if it were Farrah Fawcett, it would be... Oh, um, be even... It would require a time machine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, no. They done away. <laughs> um, being kind of unable to think enough on their feet to, to get out of this uh, problem. Right. Bring me to the rolling head. So what's what has Pricewaterhouse done? So about two and a half hours after the ceremony, they issued a statement where they determined that, I, that the initial statement said that they are investigating, but they took initial collective responsibility. They apologized to everyone. The next day, the chairman of the firm, a guy by the name of Tim Ryan, did some interviews with Wall Street Journal, USA Today, and kind of said, this is what our investigation found. Our partner handed over the wrong envelope. And that's how it got out on stage. That's how it got read. Since then, we're it's it's Thursday now, and um, the two PwC partners have been removed from the engagement, so they will never work the Oscars again. But PwC is still the auditor or accountant of record for the Academy. So, and I, I don't, I personally don't feel like that's going to change. I feel like the Academy is going to keep them on. Um, but I, I think the two partners that were involved, I think removing them was. Um, that had to be done. I, I'm pretty sure the Academy would have insisted on that. And PwC made that move. So are these people's careers going to be okay? Cause like, I don't want, do you want the Oscar screw up guys working your account? Now? <laughs> you know, that's a real, it's a really good question. Um, so Brian Cullinan is, is the partner who was, who the firm, you know, identified as the one who handed over the wrong envelope. And he's been with the firm a long time, 30 years. And so, I mean, he's got a, He's got a good career behind him. I mean, he could probably survive just fine. I mean, the public humiliation, I think, is what I is what I've been thinking a lot about this week. Mm -hmm. um, he's, you know, he'll get a partner's pension, you know, all that stuff. He's going to be fine. The other partner involved, Martha Ruiz, she's been with the firm not quite as long, about 19 years, I think, is last is what I saw. And she's a tax partner, and tax people are hard to come by, so I think she'll be fine too. But I think the public humiliation that they're suffering at the moment is is I don't know. I mean that's it's pretty brutal. I I mean I when you look at I think it was both the the Daily News and the Post both had just epic headlines on I think it was Tuesday <laughs> and they called them, you know, twits and losers and all these I mean just relentless, you know. And so that kind of um, public humiliation is not to be taken lightly. So I think they'll keep their jobs, but their dignity is definitely taken a massive blow. 
Yeah, like my interaction from the legal perspective, so my interaction with the big firms was always usually, well, I guess not always, but 90% of the time it was some sort of a forensic accounting team that we were bringing in on some internal investigation or white collar case that I would be working. And, you know, it, it was one of those things that was very partner specific on our end. It wasn't so much that we liked one firm. It was that somebody in the chain of our team was like, oh, we trust this partner over there. Very individual-based decisions on who to hire and who not, uh, not so much brand. But would something like this, from the perspective of clients, though, what I worried about was this is the sort of thing that makes a uh, maybe not the most savvy client say to the law firm who's like, oh, we're going to bring in PwC to look at this. The client going, well, Really? Can we, you sure? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, that was my takeaway. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's a valid point. I mean, and, you know, especially for their entertainment practice, uh, mm-hmm. PwC, I think it's in their, the revenues that they derive from entertainment clients is, is significant. It's in the billions. And even Les Moonves, who's the highly overpaid CEO of CBS, <laughs> he was, he gave an interview to somebody and said, um, if that was my accountant, I would fire them. And so there are really and and yeah. And you know, Les Mundes is one of those guys that people listen to, right or wrong. And yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those things where you would kind of wince, you know, if 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 that was the situation. If if you're if you're saying we're gonna bring in PwC and somebody might go, Oh, uh, from the LA office? Are you sure? <laughs> uh, you know, so yeah, I mean, there, there might be some hesitation for a while there. So it's not an insignificant point. Just to follow up on that, does PwC have the biggest entertainment portfolio of the big four? That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. I mean, because they have the Academy, I know a couple of clients that I saw kicked around included not only the Academy, but they have Paramount Studios, which is part of Viacom, which is huge, of course. And um, I can't remember. I think can't recall any others. But I mean, the, all the firms have pretty significant practices in Los Angeles, but I don't have any numbers. I'm just saying, if I was Ernest and Young, I'd have a RFP out to the Academy. <laughs> well, you know, but it's he had to close the business. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because EY has some pretty prestigious um, award ceremonies of their own. They have the Golden Globes and they have the Emmys, and they again they they haven't really bought into like the overbearing hype that PwC did. I mean, I don't know if you guys noticed <laughs> this, but PwC really marketed the hell out of this engagement, and mm, e- EY really? EY has they've done that to a degree, but I mean. Nothing like what PwC did with the Oscars. Like PwC has just, they had this Snapchat gimmick for the last couple of years where they essentially followed the briefcase around the country as it traveled from, oh yeah, oh my gosh, guys. (laughs) (laughs) They really milked it for all it was worth. And I mean, they gave interviews. I mean, the partners were on CNBC explaining the process and they gave really extensive interviews to all kinds of outlets. Huffington Post. Huffington Post had that great article that was entitled, What Would Happen If the Wrong If Someone Read the Wrong Name on Stage? And it's with the two partners, the interviews with the two partners. And at one point they're discussing what they would do. And the partner Brian, he essentially said, Well, we don't really know. It would be a game time decision, but it's so unlikely to happen that it you know we we don't have a plan per se to deal with that 
And I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things where you read it, you read it in hindsight and you're just like, well, that's, that's what did it right there. That's the jinx right there. And I mean, it's, it's just remarkable to read it now because you're really paying him a picture of a firm and, and a partnership. Um, where we're just this, the celebrity got to their heads, man. It's like, yeah. you're like taking I, us behind the music. It's, it's, I mean, in lots of people that, I mean, that's the, the opinion that lots of people have come up with. It's just like, you've got a firm that had this prestigious engagement and they really, really made a big deal of it. They really marketed it well. And they, these firms are enormous. I mean, they have huge marketing departments that come up with this stuff. And yeah, it's the the partners. I mean, they when you read the interviews with the partners, they talk about how much fun it is, and they get to meet celebrities and kind of joke. I mean, there's one picture from a couple of years ago with you know Kate Blanchett is is yanking on the briefcase while he's you know it's it's handcuffed to his arm or whatever. And I mean, they they yeah, I mean they they milked it for everything it was worth. And I mean, it's just. Uh, it's just, I can't help but laugh, but it's being, to see it kind of implode this way is just, you just, it's one of those unpredictable things, right? And I wrote yeah. this earlier in the week on Going Concern. I said, what PwC ultimately failed to do is to plan for the unpredictable. And mm. they had no plan of what to do if the worst possible scenario were to come up. I'm still laughing this whole time that Ellie made the reference there to behind the music and all my mind jumped to was like things were riding high for pwc <laughs> the trouble loomed on the horizon yeah because where success is first in trouble is first out like join us on behind the spreadsheet i don't know like that was all i could think is that whole narrative came into my head as soon as you said behind the music oh yeah yeah because the last thing you want out of your accountants is the line you know, hey, we usually get things right, but if things go wrong, we don't really have a backup plan. That's not right. usually what you're looking for in any kind of consultant that you're going to hire. Yeah, it's been said several times, but, you know, the accountants are the people that you don't want to hear about. It's when yeah. when you're hearing about the accountants, that usually means something went terribly, terribly wrong. Yeah, actually, on that note, to transition to a slightly different story that I wrote this week, Harvard Law is having an issue where a couple of former employees they've now filed criminal charges against because they were embezzling from the school. And the the story, when, as I was reading it, was like, well, everything started to unravel when they brought in a new budget director who started noticing discrepancies. And I was like, you know, that's always the way that every one of these stories always begins with, and then a new accountant showed up. And <laughs> right. I'm like, hey, what I conclude the story with is my lesson to everyone is you should constantly fire your accountants every couple of years because it's yep. the only way you'll know for sure. Yep. I wanted to, and you're making it hard because I was going to kind of close with a defense of PWC. <laughs> I mean, you can try. Yeah, by all means. I mean, they, they, need, they really need it right now. So I mean, It was easier being, before I heard about the Snapchat briefcase thing. Well, and I'll, I'll add also, because like a lot of what we've just talked about as far as the process goes is Brian Cullinan's fault for handing over the wrong thing while he was taking pictures of whatever. But the reason why Martha Ruiz is in trouble is since they're supposed to have memorized everything, she was in the opposite wing and knew yep. that the wrong thing had happened. And according to reports, she just kind of stood there. <laughs> right. It was kind of a deer in headlights moment for both of them. Because, yeah. I mean, even though, and, and PwC, Tim Ryan, when he spoke, you know, to, I think it was USA Today, he said, you know, we realized immediately that the wrong winner had been announced. 
and then we immediately took action to correct it. Well, the problem is that immediately did not exactly happen immediately. I mean, it was, you had, you had the producers of La La Land up there giving their speeches. I mean, two of the guys got- a couple speeches in. Yeah, they were two speeches in. And so the third guy is standing there and then he turns around for one second and he turns back and he says, well, we lost, but you know. And it's like, and then I, I I remember hearing that and thinking, it's like, well, that's kind of a cheeky thing to say. And then all of a sudden- Jordan Horowitz, who's the guy who gave the first speech, right. grabs the envelope and said, this is not a joke. And like, and everyone is just gaping. I mean, that picture of everyone in the audience is just amazing. <laughs> Everybody's mouth is just, um, <laughs> just, they just can't believe what's going on. So my defense, my defense of PwC was going to be that, I guess it still is, barely, that their fundamental job is to count the motherfuckers. And they did that, right? Yeah. They it's not like they miscounted. It wasn't. It's not like they were some hanging chads trying to figure out if Moonlight or La La Land won. Right? They counted the votes correctly. Yeah. A. So you assume. So I. <laughs> so I believe, man. So I believe they counted the votes correctly. There was some mix up. There was some screw up in who handed the card to who. And yes, that's also part of PwC's or should have been part of PwC's security measures, although I'll point out that they're an accounting firm, not a security firm. But at the last best opportunity to prevent this from happening was not PwC. It was Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway, who absolutely should be able to read... I mean, like, well, it, uh, and, and and understand that they received the incorrect envelope and be their professional stage. Well, you people, can see you, they should have been able to do something about that. They're not Ron Burgundy. <laughs> there shouldn't be in a situation where they just read everything that you put on the teleprompter. Well, I mean, Faye definitely did, but you could tell Warren knew something was wrong. He kept yeah. like digging deeper into the envelope after he's pulled the card out for something else. He keeps not saying anything. Then he does the, and the Oscar goes to and stares straight ahead because he assumed it would pop up on the teleprompter if it was wrong, which it then didn't, obviously. So, I mean, he understood something was wrong and he was just kind of waiting for someone to fix it before she kind of barreled in and said, which I heard, I heard the backstory on that. Is that where you were going to go with this? There's- Oh no, go ahead. Apparently some backstory of why his like just hesitancy didn't win out is in rehearsal rumors are they fought about who was going to read it and oh. ultimately she won and was like you'll open it and then I'll read it so while he had it and was just like not giving it to her and going like uh so the Oscar goes to she that's why she's like oh you're impossible and like rips it from him because <laughs> she thought he was trying to upstage her and double cross her so that actually added a whole other level because otherwise he'd have just sat there until somebody fixed it probably. even if that's a hundred percent false <laughs> I love that story <laughs> <laughs> That is fake. That is fake news that I can appreciate right there. But what I'm trying to get at, right, is that if you want PwC to announce your winners as well, that's one thing. But their fundamental job was to count the voting process, which they did. And then it's up to your actual stage performers to be able to handle the occasional live issue. They're professional performers. You know, and. I mean, you bring up a good point because what a lot of people maybe know now is that the PwC has been doing this for 83 years. And so they've been, I assume they've been refining these processes and procedures for a long, long time. And 
you know, to have it go out to bid, if, if the Academy were to decide to take it out to bid and, and, and bring in someone totally new, I mean, they, um, I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you saw this, but the Academy does not pay a lot of money to PwC for their services. And so if oh. somewhere in else were to come in, I mean, they really risk a really kind of cozy and comfortable relationship. And not to mention that there are relationships between the accounting and finance department at the Academy and the connections with with PwC. The CFO at the Academy is married to a PwC partner. He's a PwC alum. And so, what? oh yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's all kinds of relationship um, kind of issues that make it a very complicated. Deep state, man. Deep state. Yeah. <laughs> the deep accounting state. Deep, deep accounting. accounting state. And so, I mean, and, and so with Ellie, Ellie, you're right. I mean, they know what they're doing. It was just ultimately this one stupid mistake. And if they, they swap out two partners and they, they swap in two new ones, I mean, maybe that's enough to put the Academy at ease. I don't know. And maybe they need to swap them out every uh, every couple of years just so go. nobody gets too comfortable right. in their star turn. Yeah, that's right. In their in their in their celebrity accountant status. <laughs> wow. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Caleb. For uh, that's Caleb Newquist from uh, Going Concern. Thanks for coming on here and uh, helping us walk through a disaster in a different industry. Those of us like we talk a lot about law, but it's good to know that affiliate industries have their problems too. You bet, guys. It was great. <laughs> Thanks, Caleb. You bet. So that wraps it up for us this week. Be sure, as always, to listen to us, subscribe to us yell at your friends about how they should be listening to us. Give us reviews on whatever your podcast delivery device of choice are. That gives us more and more listeners all the time because it raises our profile. Uh, follow us on Twitter, which uh, Caleb mentioned. I, I was tweeting while the Oscars were going on. I'm at, at Joseph Patrice. Ellie is at L-E-N-Y-C. That's E-L-I-E-N-Y-C. Read Above the Law. Read Going Concern. At Read Going Concern. At yep. Going Concern. That's where Caleb works. Yep. Also do the, uh, oh, the, there's the Legal Talk Network app. You can download that and listen to not only our show, but other shows uh, in the Legal Talk Network network. I guess I said that twice. Point is, uh, do all these things. And uh, with that, do we have any uh, any parting words? Uh, I guess, go KPMG. I don't know. But- <laughs> no, I'm on Team Erickson Young, man. All right. Thanks, everybody, and we'll uh, talk to you soon. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. You can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, ATLRedline.com, iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.